0: Yo, dog, it's Andrew Claven here. You don't need to tell me. I already know you missed the latest episode of Daily Wire backstage. Don't worry. You can make it up to me by listening to the show here. Hopefully you can get through it before the Republic collapses, but you better start listening right now.
1: even the fake laughs are phoned in around here folks welcome to the daily wire backstage state of the union coverage joining us tonight ben shapiro candace owens andrew clavin matt walsh michael knowles and i your friendly neighborhood lowercase g lowercase k god king uh we're going to be watching the president of the united states here in 45 minutes or probably more likely an hour and 45 minutes Democrats are notoriously late for everything because they have no respect for anyone. And Joe Biden is no exception. I believe last week he was almost 90 minutes late uh, to a speech. So who knows? We could be up all night. Uh, But when the president does make his debut, once they get him good and doped up and propped up, (laughs) we will be hearing uh, a farcical report on the state of our union. I say farcical because if the president were to tell the truth, Uh, he would have to cede his office tomorrow, and then Kamala Harris would be president, and all would be well, and the republic would be immediately restored. Uh, As soon as the president finishes his remarks, we'll come back and spend a little bit of time breaking them down for you, giving you our reaction, and then exactly 15 minutes after the president wraps his remarks, our very own Benjamin Shapiro will be giving... Uh, The Daily Wire official State of the Union response. People have been asking me all week, you know, why are you doing that? I mean, there's already an official GOP response. And I say, that is why we're doing (laughs) it. The whole whole problem with the official party response to the, and this isn't just picking on the GOP. Both parties are guilty of this. The problem with the official response to the State of the Union is that it has to go through all of the different, the the party apparatus, the leadership uh, of the party in both houses of Congress has to go through all these staffers to get approvals. The, the result of that is it isn't actually a response to the president's State of the Union address. It's actually something that's been written many days or even weeks in advance. And that's why nobody cares about it. It's, it's basically like the graveyard of a political career when you get the nod to come up to the big leagues and give the, the response, that's it, that's as far, you have reached the pinnacle of your political career. Even for President Bobby Jindal? Oh, <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. Well, Rubio, President Rubio. President, president Rubio,
1: Rubio yeah. It's just the worst thing you can be asked to do uh, is to give this response. So it's tepid, it's polled, it's, it's, pulled, it's uh, overly censored. What Ben's going to do is the exact opposite. As only Ben can, he's going to watch the president speak and then 15 minutes later, he is going to react to the president's speech. And in that way, even, even I, uh, a lowly god king, will not have been able to approve the things that are going to come out of Ben's mouth. And so they will be more or less true, although with a slightly Jewish perspective.
2: <laughs> <laughs> things will be said. Things will be said. Th- that cannot be unsaid. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, look, the, the, the truth is that predicting what Joe Biden is going to say tonight is really easy. There will be a lot of Bill Buckshagherty. He's going to talk a little bit about the Kramadoos. He's going to talk about Afghadabadou. <laughs> yep. Right? Like, there's a lot that he
1: can and say. And Candace, you made a good point that at some point we'll get angry Joe
2: Biden.
3: Yeah, out of nowhere. He just gets angry every yeah. time he's speaking, and you're like, whoa, 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 calm down, old <laughs> yeah. man. Uh,
2: yeah. uh. <laughs> he's, he's going to come out against cancer. That I'm excited about. Yep. They've announced that he's going to come out with uh, with his new initiative, which is to cure cancer. It's very. Bo- it's a very bold move on his part. Mm-hmm. I thought so too. Because
4: the the, the pro cancer lobby will yep. not, will not I like would, that at all. Big cancer. It. I wouldn't,
2: I wouldn't yeah. be surprised
0: if some people in the GOP actually took that. that yeah, we are pretty reactionary <laughs> these days.
1: Like right wing Twitter tonight is not going to be a place for Anyone with something. What do you mean you're against cancer? cancer?
0: What's
3: wrong? With he will you. misread. Uh, he'll actually read out loud the cues on the prompter at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> applause.
1: Applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just him to whisper. I love oh, him to whisper.
0: Pause. The, the sincere
4: Where,
1: whisper.
2: I'm 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 square.
4: Square. Well, you know, you know, K- Kamala Harris already gave a State of the Union address when she went off script yesterday mm-hmm. and said, you know, told her audience <laughs> that you you got what you asked for. And yeah. The, the voice, <laughs> that's the State of the Union. People are getting what
1: they As asked for.
4: Good and hard.
1: hard. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
5: <laughs>
4: democracy is a the theory that people deserve what they
5: want. <laughs> Get it good and hard. Yeah. Uh, right. That's
1: right. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't need to. Uh, say too much about it now because we're going to get a chance to react directly to it. But obviously, the state of the union is complete disrepair. I mean, in my lifetime, our country has not been in this bad a predicament. I mean, Jimmy Carter was president when I was born, but it was toward the end; like you could see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, Jimmy Carter, I, I I remember Carter. He was nowhere near this bad. He was, yeah. and he, he actually
0: course corrected. He did what Obama never did. He changed his mind. He said, "Oh, I was wrong about things." Mm-hmm. He, he said he was wrong about business when they when the Soviets went into Afghanistan. He was shocked and realized that he had made a mistake i mean he was a terrible president
2: but even he but yeah but he was not he was not asleep the the other thing is that everything that has happened in the last year is on joe biden yes when you look at the when you look at the worst first years of of any presidents in history usually you have to go like abraham lincoln had actual secession at the beginning of his presidency or you have to talk about george w bush who had 9-11 those are things that happened to them Nothing that's happening right now yeah. happened to Joe Biden. It happened because of Joe Biden. That's right. um, yeah. Joe Biden happened. Right. Joe Biden happened. Like, like th- there was no way... I- I, it is beyond imagining how he could have screwed things up this badly. Yep. Like, when he came into office, you're like, there's no way he can screw this up. He's being given a vaccine. It works. He's going to be—he's he, he's being given a distribution plan. He's given an economy that's about to come back if he just gets the hell out of the way. He's been had the Abraham Accords in the Middle East. He's got Russia and China fairly in check. Things will be fine, right? I mean, like, all, <laughs> the man, all the old man has to do is do what he did during the campaign, go back down into the basement, drink insure, and go to sleep. That's all he has to do. Yep. And somehow he managed to screw this well, I was thing actually so badly.
1: I was actually concerned when he ascended to the presidency. Uh, that it would, that the Democrats would be undefeatable afterwards because when you artificially shut down a roaring economy... Yeah. It's going to come back. It's going to come back.
5: Well, they are saying that now. They are saying he's the greatest jobs president ever because when you lock everyone at home and then you let them go out, <coughs> the numbers look pretty good. But the question I have for this State of the Union is... How does he get away with it? How does a man mm. with a 37% approval rating, whose vice president had a 27% approval rating, who the highest rated member of his cabinet is Pete Buttigieg, has a 38% approval rating. It seems like people are so awake on these issues. I don't really see how the gaslighting is going to work. So what does he say beyond just I'm another cancer, pro-cancer
0: Republican? Know, Republican right here. <laughs> you, under, you underestimate their disdain for the American people. Joe Biden actually said, People are doing great. They're psychologically impaired by COVID, so they can't experience the happiness that I've brought to them. He
2: actually, <laughs> oh, sa- he that. actually said that. And I mean, I mean, he is psychologically impaired. So
0: <laughs> and he's, he's actually, he's not
4: totally wrong in that people have been psychologically damaged by sure. by him. By by, right, by him. But <laughs> and, and especially kids. That's. And speaking of which, I mean, we're so we've got 30 minutes left of COVID, which is a, which is big news. <laughs> yeah. COVID is officially over now. I mean, it's, of course, it's one big coincidence that. Right before the State of the Union, you know, California drops the mask mandate. Uh, New York, Congress Illinois, drops the mask Congress, the White House, uh, I, I the CDC say, changes their their recommendations as well. I, I'm right pretty before.
2: pissed at it because, I mean, honestly, if I had known that Joe Biden had the pa- the capacity to literally just end the pandemic <laughs> with the State of the Union, why didn't you do this in like April 2020? Yeah. Right. He could have just done it then. We would have skipped two years of this suffering I mean, because that's what's happening. The. So- or the science changed radically just in time. Or the
3: the midterms address. are coming up, and they oh. kind of are, are betting on the fact that You're Americans cynical. have a very, <laughs> You're cynical. A very short memory. And it's true. We've proven over and over again that we do have a very short memory. So, like, let them get some fresh air outside, yeah. uh, and then midterms will hit, and hopefully we can run on other things. But this time I don't think it's going to work, and I think it's just because of the parents. I really do think that, mm. that that's going yeah. to be the game changer, and I think that they're done, and that's why the poll numbers have just been sinking. Yep.
1: Yep. Ben said this the last time that, that we were together in this forum which is that no politician in American history has ever been stupid enough to turn
2: parents yeah.
1: into a voting bloc
2: Isn't that until amazing? Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's an incredible thing. And, and the fact that he's done that is
1: so, beyond. obviously our president tonight, if nothing else, will be very, very sleepy. <laughs> I, on the other hand, am very, very hungry. Uh, and that's because while inflation is out of control... And while we're seeing it more than ever at the grocery store, while prices are hitting all-time highs for meat and seafood, cooking and grilling at home used to be the way that you would save money, but with prices up nearly 20%, even that seems like a thing of the past. So if you, like me, are looking to save money without sacrificing quality of your food, you need to check out Good Ranchers. They deliver delicious American meat to your door, and right now they're offering an amazing deal. Listen, here's how amazing the deal is. I'm going to tell you about the deal for you, but I want to tell you about the deal for me, which is that Good Ranchers literally showed up at the Daily Wire today <laughs> and made us all lunch. Yeah. And for they me— They brought kosher steak for me, dude. They cooked <laughs> a kosher steak for Ben. They cooked ribeyes and strips and hamburgers for the entire staff. Uh, this stuff is good. It's excellent. It's absolutely fabulous. And right now, you can get $30 off if they're already low prices if you visit goodranchers.com slash— backstage. You can do a one-time order or subscribe. Here's the amazing thing. If you subscribe, you get an additional $25 off on each box. Plus, when you subscribe, your price is fixed. It will never go up for the lifetime of your subscription. So you can actually lock in your grocery store price, today not your grocery store price, but your grocery price today on meat by buying a subscription from Good Ranchers. That means for as long as you're a subscriber, your meat budget is inflation-proof. All of your meals, inflation proof. It's extremely convenient. It's easy to manage. You'll be torn between talking about how great the food is and how much you saved on getting it. Go over to goodranchers.com backstage. Use promo code backstage to enjoy your box of 100% American meat and your $30 savings. Order now. Combat inflation with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered to you. You honest to goodness, you're going to thank us for this recommendation. like Every single person who works here was thanking me today. They, I pay them every two weeks. I apologize for the horrible treatment they received <laughs> at my hand, and they never once have said thank you. You give them one delicious Good Rancher steak, and it's, oh, the God King. Oh, we love you, the God King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're in it for. So I want to take a minute. Obviously, we've talked about the president. We're going to talk a lot more about that throughout the course of the evening. We obviously have to talk about the the situation taking place right now in Ukraine. And I want to get to that while Ben is still with us. He's going to have to leave a few minutes before the speech to begin mentally preparing for uh, destroying the president with facts and logic. <laughs> but before that, I want to take a minute while we're all together uh, to, re- to remember our friend Andrew Breitbart. Oh, yeah. uh, at 5.30 in the morning, 10 years ago today, uh, when I was 33 years old, uh, I got a phone call and it woke me, of course, because I'm not awake at 5.30 in the morning. And it was Ben on my caller ID. And as soon as I saw the phone at 5.30 in the morning and saw Ben's name, I knew uh, that this call was to let me know that Andrew Breitbart had died. Uh, almost anyone who knew Andrew at that time uh, knew the enormous burden uh, that he was under, knew the enormous stress that he carried, knew that he had in some ways lost his joy in those last months because he was under such attack because of the the pressure of being one of the earliest Twitter warriors, uh, the pressure of the Shirley Sherrod sort of betrayals that he experienced. Uh, on the right from, in some, from some people who are friends of ours, but nevertheless a real betrayal that he suffered. Uh, many of us had spoken to Andrew about his health, about the enormous burdens that he was carrying. That's why the people who knew Andrew well didn't actually fall for the kind of conspiracy theories about uh, him being murdered by the left because we all knew that Andrew was, was a very likely, in fact, uh, our friend Bill Whittle and I took Andrew to dinner a few months, you know, maybe six months before uh, he died and had what amounts to an intervention about his health, and I said, Andrew, you are going to have a heart attack and die, and the next, that night or the next night, he had a heart attack. And he called me from the hospital and he said, uh, hey, Jeremy, did you hear the news? And I was like, yeah, Andrew, I, I heard the news. He goes, you're, you're a clairvoyant, like you're an actual prophet. And I said, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's true. I, I saw what no one could see except every other person. <laughs> I said, have you learned anything? And he said, yeah, I've gotta start eating better. And I was like, no, yes, <laughs> but no, that's not the takeaway. It's this unbelievable burden, which is why of the many lessons there are to learn from our friend Andrew Breitbart, an unbelievable uh, uh, entrepreneur, an unbelievable uh, happy warrior, an unbelievable fighter, and and really in many ways began to teach the right to fight. Uh, It's that happy warrior thing, I think, that's so important. You know, he started off as happy warrior. He ended up with righteous indignation. He taught us both of those things, but we've latched onto the latter more than the former. And the former was his true superpower. I mean, you go back and watch Andrew skating up, rollerblading oh, up to yeah. protesters oh, and yeah. taking them to Applebee's. You you go back and watch the greatest media moment in modern American political history when he took over uh, the Anthony Weiner press conference I'm in New on. York. This is a man so full of life and so full of joy for the fight. And I, because today I'm the age that he was on the day that he died, I've been thinking about him all week knowing that this uh, that this was coming. And I've just reflected on What a privilege it is for us to be alive in this place, in this time, and to get to fight this fight. And sometimes it begins to feel like a burden to us. Sometimes you feel like you're losing. Sometimes you bemoan the fact that we were born in a time that's hard and not a time that was easy. But what a privilege that we get to do this, and we should approach it with that same joy. That Andrew approached it when you know when we all yeah. got to know him I, and spent time with him. The thing that
0: I remember about him most was his generosity. Uh, uh. The way the way that he would just say, "Oh, here, you know, Ben Shapiro, here's Andrew Clavin. You want to yep. meet him?" And, and you know, and people yeah. would hire us. He couldn't pay us when he started. Remember when right? he started Big Hollywood? I think I may have written the first article for Big Hollywood, and he couldn't pay you. So when PJTV hired me. He was like, go, get the money, take the money. you got to be yeah. paid for your work because he couldn't pay you. Mm-hmm. And he was—he introduced you to people. He never cared. I mean, he said to me once, I remember one of the last times I saw him, he said to me once, uh, whatever doesn't kill me makes me more famous.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and used that line of applause. And, so, that's, that's and so he
0: did care about the way he saw it, but he, he didn't of feel like your fame took away from his fame. You know, it, it, it was all bringing people together. The California movement, which has been really, Seminole. until we left, until the Daily Wire left, was really the center of the, of the conservative movement, is his. He created
1: it. That's right. An Inner- he did not introduce us directly, but we would not know each other without That's Andrew right. Breitbart. That's right. He did not introduce us directly, but we would not know each yes. other without
2: Andrew Breitbart. So Andrew was a hub. Right? There are certain yes. people uh-huh. who, are, yeah. who are sort of the nodes in networks, and he, he was the hub of a network. Right. And, and so everybody knew each other via Andrew. Andrew was also the most spontaneous and sweet human being. I mean, like the, the, the characterization of him in the media by the end of his life is that he was this monstrous, vicious brute who was mean to everybody. Right. And anyone who knew him knew how not true this was. Yeah. That, that, and it hurt him, I think, on a really deep level to be seen that way, because it was so contrary to how he was and who he was. And so when the media started calling him racist, and when the media started suggesting that he was a bigot, and Andrew was the most tolerant person I've ever met, I mean, like, wildly tolerant. And, and when, when people characterized him that way, he got so deeply hurt. He was, there, was a, there was a fundamental innocence about Andrew yeah. that, I think was, that, that I think was deeply marred by the process of, of a politics that he, when he first entered the movement, he thought we're all brothers in this fight, right? We're all on the same side and we're all fighting the good fight. And America, we all kind of want the same thing. We're just having different ways of getting there. And that's really how he approached things. And I think politics really you know hit him square across the jaw a few times and he responded correctly aggressively and angrily and in defense of other people he thought were being bullied and that was powerful and it was good and it was a good instinct but it's also if you don't protect yourself it can really really damage you and you know, i think that that was
0: it is, is, it, it, it's, he was serious he meant to fight for the country and a lot of people it's partly serious but it's partly business yeah no, that's and, right and it's partly politics <laughs> I don't think
2: he ever... He had no self-protective not, instinct. Yes. Andrew had no self-protective instinct. What
1: Andrew Breitbart... Country. He was barely even a conservative, right? Yeah. I mean, Andrew right. was a
2: Hollywood left... He was uh, the Clarence ...socially Thomas left guy. Issue,
1: yeah. Right? It was the yeah. Clarence Thomas issue. It was Joe Biden. Yeah, right, right. Joe Biden made Andrew Breitbart one of us. What Andrew loathed more than anything else was a bully. That's, that's right. right. And yeah. the way that they responded to him was to bully him in a way that they had never bullied anyone up until that time. And they came at the guy with such a vengeance, and I think that that's what shocked him I've said this before uh, on the one year anniversary of his death but it always merits repeating that Andrew had this singular gift that's that I've, I've met a few very famous people who have this quality but it but it's an incredibly rare quality where every person who met Andrew Breitbart felt that they were an intimate of him instantly <laughs> huh. you if you met Andrew you were a six you know, he would tell you on the day that you met him about his health problems <laughs> his dreams this crazy thing that happened to him in the third grade like in an open book. Very generous, as you say, with, him, yeah. with, with himself. And people who are like that, you, everyone who meets them is their friend. The problem is it's very hard to ever get to seven.
2: because
1: mm. you, Because you started at six, very few people ever get to seven. And I feel that I knew Andrew well enough to know how well I didn't know Andrew. That's
2: exactly right. And that's exactly right. I was very close to Andrew, but there was yeah. a, there was an inner circle, and the inner circle was basically his wife, his kids. That's right. Yeah. His yeah. Uh, Larry. Orson, uh, Larry, like the Larry Solov, his his business partner. There was this like very very core group of people with whom he I, I think really was true intimate. Yes. But but for a lot of other people, it was like you. I knew him for 10 years, and people who had met him for five minutes knew him about 98% as well yeah. always, <laughs> yeah, as, yeah, yeah. As, as I knew Andrew, and that was his quality, that was his magic, but yeah. that was also, it made him kind of a lonely person because of that, because yeah. if everybody is your friend, then you really don't have all that many friends, he, and, and again, I think it's because he, he, on a fundamental level, did not know how to guard himself, and, you know, that sounds like a rip on Andrew, but it isn't, it's a quality, no, it's oh, a quality, yeah. he was such an no, it was, an innocent, one of the, be- it was such the best a, thing about like the, him. The, the, the way that we all met him is, like, just the it's an apothe, it's a perfect example of who he was. The way I met Andrew Breitbart is I was 17 years old and I was writing for the UCLA Daily Bruin and he lived in Westwood and one day he picked up a copy of the UCLA Daily Bruin and there's this crazy kid writing a very conservative column and he emailed me He said, I'm this guy who works at Drudge Reports, you want to come out with me and get a burrito? <laughs> That's really what he wrote. And and I, I wish I still had the letter. And he um and and we went over to like a greasy taco joint down on Westwood Boulevard. And I watched him pig out on tacos, and I ate <laughs> nothing. And I'm sipping like seltzer water or something. And he's trying to tell me dirty jokes. I'm wearing a yarmulke, and he wants to like make me feel awful. <laughs> and that that's that was that was so typically yep. Andrew. And and I think in the last part of his life, y- you kind of missed that because he was so ensconced in the fight. And so I think when people watch. You know the the, the the documentaries about Breitbart near the end of his life, uh, or, or when they or when they read his book, Righteous Indignation, which is a good book. When when you read all that stuff, I think that that if you want to know Andrew better, watch the earliest tapes of Andrew. Watch him on early Red Eye with Greg Gottfeld, who he made a I thing, think. by the way. Andrew got Greg Gottfeld his job. I mean, if if you if you like the number of people that Andrew put in certain positions yeah. because he was we, just we, we all live in Andrew's
1: system. world. All of us are that's, where we are right. in some way that's because right. of Andrew. And he uh, that joy that he brought is his lasting legacy. His, his wife, his kids obviously uh, are, are his personal legacy, but the legacy that he really should leave with all of us is that we should be happy for our good fortune to be in this battle, and we should approach the battle tomorrow with some of that joy uh, that Andrew brought to it. You've heard me talk about Policy Genius and how they can help you find life insurance, but did you know that Policy Genius can also help you bundle your home and auto insurance? With Policy Genius, you can easily find home and auto coverage that's similar to what you have now, but cheaper, which is better? Policy Genius is your one stop shop to find and buy insurance you need. Simply head over to policygenius.com, answer a few questions. Policy Genius will show you price estimates for policies that fit your search and help you understand your options. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more money. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they'll do all the work of switching you over for free. Customers who bundled their home and auto policies with Policy Genius saved an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying previously. The Policy Genius team, they work for you, not the insurance companies. So you can trust them to offer unbiased help and advocate for you at every step until you're covered. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. They don't sell your info to third parties. And if you're still not convinced, you can check out their thousands of five star reviews over at Google and Trustpilot. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance, and they placed $120 billion in coverage. Head to policygenius.com right now, get your free home and auto insurance quotes. And see how much money you could save. Policygenius.com. So, before we uh, lose Ben, uh, Ben, could you catch us up on the, the unfolding situation in Ukraine? Uh, wh- what's happened in the last you know five days? The last uh, twenty four hours since all the pod- twelve hours since the podcast this morning. Yeah. So, I mean,
2: in the the you know at about a week ago, five days ago, uh, the the Russian army invaded Ukraine. Unlike sort of prior invasions, they didn't wait. Ukraine, a small a sma- country. In in a small country, a country. In, in, in in Europe. Okay. <laughs> and Russia's a big country <laughs> okay. on its borders. And when a big country <laughs> goes a, into country a small country could you speak that's bad. More slowly, please, yeah, like the vice president of the United States. And um so basically Russia had been threatening for months, that they were going to go into Ukraine. It was unclear how far they were going to go into Ukraine. I think that most people thought that they were going to solidify their grasp over what's called the Donbass region, which is a region of eastern Ukraine, which is largely Russian-speaking. They had already grabbed onto Crimea and essentially annexed it in 2014. And that had followed on their invasion of Georgia in 2008, which was met with very little world resistance. And so Putin had been making these sorts of noises. The Biden administration kept saying he's going to go into Ukraine. He's preparing for some sort of major military action. In Ukraine, and then Biden kept giving off signals over and over and over again that By we really weren't going to.
1: He literally said, he invited... "If you inva- invade Ukraine, we won't do anything."
2: Right, well, he, he said, "If a, he said if it's a minor incursion, yeah. he basically said just the tip. He said if it's a minor incursion, <laughs> yeah. then, then we won't do anything." And Putin took that to mean. I can do whatever the hell I want because the West historically has not really done anything. And if they do hit me with some sanctions, they'll be temporary and not much will happen. And so he decides I'm going to make this power move and I'm going to ensure my legacy. It's sort of a Peter the Great move because Putin is not actually thinking in terms of USSR. He's thinking in terms of Peter the Great or Catherine the Great or historic Russian leaders who are attempting to recreate the, the sort of Russian empire. That's, that's how he's been thinking for a very long time. So he invades Ukraine and he's hit with some really harsh sanctions Sanctions that do not include the natural gas and oil industry, because too much of Europe is dependent on that, and the United States, because Joe Biden's a moron, partially dependent on that as well. We're importing hundreds of thousands of barrels of Russian oil, even at the same time that we're levying sanctions. But there's all sorts of financial sanctions that have basically crashed the ruble. Uh, they've turned Russian bonds into, into meaningless pieces of paper. Their economy is completely shut down. Russia's invasion uh, was, at the beginning, very slow-going, slow-going pretty unsuccessful. People thought that this was going to be a very quick and easy invasion. I think Putin thought, because he had convinced himself, that Ukrainians were going to sort of act like the Afghans after the after the Taliban started to make advances and just completely dis- disintegrate the defenses would just go away. He thought that he was going to be able to establish full air superiority. He was not able to do that. Even now, he still doesn't have full air superiority. He thought it was going to be easy. And so now, he's kind of in a morass of his own making, and it's very difficult to see how this gets resolved. And this is the real problem right now, because Vladimir Putin has to win. If he does not win, there's every possibility that he's no longer the head of Russia. And this guy is a murderer. He is a thug. He is a very, very bad man who has literally poisoned people on British territory, who's murdered political opponents, jailed political opponents, killed dissenters, invaded several sovereign countries. And so if he feels as though he's not going to get a victory, he is going to do what he started to do today. And that's why over the last 24 hours, he started to full-on attack civilian centers, which is not a shock because he did this to Grozny in Chechnya in 1999-2000, and he killed several thousand civilians in an attempt to simply bring Grozny to its knees. He succeeded in bringing Grozny to its knees to a certain extent. Uh, And so the the take is that he's going to continue to exert extraordinary military pressure, particularly on civilian centers. The West has responded with sanctions. They've responded with military materiel. There's been no indication that NATO is going to establish a no-fly zone. It would be foolish to establish, in my opinion, a no-fly zone because then you come into the possibility of direct conflict with the Russians. And and when you have a a rogue dictator who is mainly interested in this territorial land grab, then he does not care if he has to to knock down some American jets or if he has to unleash even a tactical nuclear weapon in Ukraine. I don't think that we're on the verge of an all-out both sides nuclear war, but Russian doctrine sort of suggests that if you're losing in the battlefield, the possibility of unleashing a tactical Russian, yeah, Russian foreign policy is that if if you're losing on the battlefield, the possibility of using a tactical nuclear weapon in a place like Kharkiv, the second biggest city in, in Ukraine, you might very well do that. So he's, he's explicitly threatened it. Yes. So, so the, so the West basically has to do two things right now, in my opinion. They have to continue to exert pressure, and they have to offer him some sort of off ramp. There's got to be an off ramp because if there's not an off ramp, then he's just going to devastate Ukraine. Uh, like, I We agree can sit here and we can continue to pump up Zelensky. We can continue to pump up Ukraine. We can watch as it turns into a guerrilla war that lasts for years at a time.
1: Ukraine almost certainly cannot actually win. And for that reason, like it, it's horrible to think that you would reward this behavior, but probably what needs to happen is that Putin needs to get those eastern provinces. Uh, If if he withdraws his troops, he can keep the eastern provinces. We have to let up some of the sanctions because there has to be a carrot as part of it. And then you have to make an overture to Zelensky, too, which is that if Putin withdraws and just takes those two provinces, then NATO can establish a temporary no-fly zone and start rearming Ukraine or something. I mean, it has to be that kind of a nobody's going to... And what has to happen is a deal that no one is going to like. The the only options here are deals that not everyone is going to like. Because there the uh, the problem. other
2: alternative is that that Putin is going to continue to insert hundreds of thousands of troops. That's he's right. Going to co- establish complete air superiority, and he's going to bomb Im- Ukraine into the ground.
0: It is important to notice that to note that when you get to a situation like this, where all the choices are bad, it's because mistakes have been made along the yes. way. Primary uh, among them, the destruction or at least the thwarting of the American energy industry that could have just essentially isolated Putin entirely.
5: Well, and the green lighting of the of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which yes, right. is well, Putin's you go. pipeline that's right to, to cut out Ukraine yeah. for bringing its, his energy to Europe. And uh, the, uh, Joe Biden essentially it's, gave it the green light. And the it, fact it's very that Biden is not 19- going to
0: say in his speech tonight, he's not going to say, oh, we're changing the energy policy. Yeah. Right. It, it shows you that something
2: is terribly well, wrong. Well, there's also the, the, the new world that's sort of being established on the back of this is not one I think a lot of people are going to like, because it's not just that Russia and China are very much aligned and they're both aligned with Iran. Uh, it is also that we can talk all we want about how Germany is paying its share, which they should. I mean, they should be paying 2% of their GDP toward military budgets. But the complete rearming of Europe has not historically gone particularly well for the world. Japan is talking about how maybe now they want a nuclear, want a nuclear weapon, weapon on their. So, yeah. I mean, if you are a non aligned country right now, you want a nuke and you want a nuke yesterday. One because is, the biggest right. mistake that Ukraine made was giving up its nukes in 1994.
0: Although although its nukes were actually Russian nukes, it was not really in control of those nukes. You know, that, that story that's gone out that they gave up their nukes is not entirely right. I mean, they those, those nukes were. Russian nukes that they didn't really have the capacity to take control they of. without one, st- right? staging, staging. All they
2: needed was one, though. They had five thousand yeah, well, okay, stationed yeah, in their territory. Yeah.
5: There, there no. is this fear also of escalation. It, we're talking about non-aligned countries and neutral countries. We've completely lost this sense of what what are called buffer states, or even you know Switzerland. In this battle, is now taking sides. Amazingly, yeah, yeah it's and been neutral forever. And, right, right. <laughs> and, and yet they're they're now signing on to Russian sanctions. And there is a fear that Ukraine has been a buffer state between Russia, a relatively strong power, and Europe and the West, a a very strong power. And as Ukraine has had alternately more pro-Russian governments, alternately more pro-Western governments, this creates some tension, but now if Zelensky is trying to apply for EU membership and trying to accelerate that process. The European Parliament has voted to advance that. And there will still be a long process. But if you now are in a situation where Ukraine, right up on the edge, actually bordering, you know, the breadbasket of Europe is bordering Russia, is now a member of the European Union, that would seem to me to be an escalation rather than a, an, an off-ramp. And so it's, it's yeah, hard to the, see at this the stage.
1: Pr- the problem is it's hard to ask Ukraine to continue to be a buffer state when no Russia was Russia. no,
5: there were pro- there were terrible decisions made over the last ten years, twenty years, and crucially over the last twelve months. That yes, have can really I, can I to make
0: it. one outline observation? I know that China won't do this because I know that China is in in league with Russia, and they and they're so intent on humiliating us that they kind of like this. If I were China, what I would do now is make peace. I would I would force the Russians to make peace because then you're the big boy in town. They need Russian oil though. China is I I, I already I the big
3: boy in town. What's in that? Opinion. I think China is already the big boy. In well, town. It is, well, yeah. The yeah. People that are winning in all of this. But this and, is how
0: this is how you make it clear.
3: Yeah, know? and I, I mean I totally agree that so much happened that leading up to this, and yeah, most crucially in the last 12 months. But I think it's very difficult to discern. I think a lot of people feel right now it's very difficult to discern what is actually happening. I mean, we started this entire talk talking about how nothing that we hear from Joe Biden tonight is going to be true, and yet we seem to like switch our brains and think that everything that we're hearing about foreign wars is true. So I find it interesting, like when we rely on the media for information and when we don't rely on the media for information. And I think that we don't really know what the big play is in all this. It feels like there's something more. Like, if this is really about taking out Russia, why, are, why aren't why are they talking about making America energy independent again? Instead, they're saying, oh, this is an opportunity for us. Uh, now we should be talking about electric vehicles Green new deal. And so it's just a lot of it. I think that more will come out with time. Um, obviously, like, you know, what Russia is doing is absolutely terrible. But I think there's a lot of information, a lot of things that are going on at play that are not being discussed just yet. Because, I don't know, whenever Hillary Clinton gets out and does a— does any type of speech. I'm like, what are we missing?
1: If you want a good cigar, you should go to a good cigar shop. But if you want the best premium cigars at the lowest prices, you need to go to Famous Smoke Shop. Famous Smoke Shop is a family-owned business and has been since 1939. Famous Smoke Shop is the largest American-owned online cigar business in the USA. They're now in their 83rd year. Famous Smoke continues to offer the authentic cigar shop experience, decades' worth of cigar knowledge, a huge selection of premium cigars, and low prices every cigar enthusiast will love. Famous Smoke Shop offers huge deals on a wide variety of cigars. Choose from over 1,000 different brands, from highly rated classics to everyday smokes. Every purchase is backed by their 30-day Famous Freshness Guarantee, so you know your cigars will ship fast and be ready to smoke. Quality is guaranteed. Here at The Daily Wire, a lot of cigars get smoked. And our friends over at Famous Smoke Shop have sent us some of the best. We smoked the Romeo Capulet 80th Anniversary Special Editions made just for Famous Smoke Shop. Unbelievable. And the toro Size Monte Cristo cigar. Medium-bodied profile, woody flavors, just a hint of coffee, and some pepper. I promise a sophisticated smoker would have tasted all of those things. I tasted a really good cigar. Here is an exclusive offer for our listeners. Go over to famous-smoke.com and use code BACKSTAGE. You can save $20 off your purchase of $100 or more. You can explore their wide range of fresh cigars and accessories by, again, going to famous-smoke.com. There's a wide variety of great gifts there, too. Get your favorite cigars or cigar gifts delivered straight to your door. Again, famous-smoke.com, promo code BACKSTAGE. Remember to use that backstage promo code so you get $20 off of your purchase of $100 or more. Famous-smoke.com.
4: Part of the story, to, to your point, is uh, also Ukraine is certainly winning the propaganda war. Right. And, uh, and they've won that by, by a landslide. Of course, you know, in the West, they have a certain advantage because the institutions are on their side. But, uh, you know, very early on, for the first few days, there was just this this barrage of just Hollywood the sort of, of stories—the K- yeah, ghost, ghost of Kiev, Kiev the Kiev. Snake Island guys who said go F yourself—and it turns out that actually they surrendered. I mean, all you know, the, the supermodels who are charging down to the front lines With and the
3: then eyelashes on—it turns out that shots. they have
4: that sure. actually they're holding airsoft rifles. And then a lot of the pictures of Zelensky himself are actually were taken months ago. You know, uh, and and lots lots of things like that. And I think that um, you know that that makes sense for for Ukraine to engage in you know, war propaganda as part of any any war and it would be uh, malpractice not to do that, but that does lend credence to this idea that it's, it's actually, it's, there, there's a lot that's happening that's sort of strange. It's hard to discern exactly what's going on. Like for example, Ukraine says that they've killed 5,000 Russians already, which would mean that they've doubled you know, American casualties in Afghanistan over the course of 20 years. Maybe that's true, I'll, they I'll, also... push,
1: I'll push on you just a little bit, Matt, because I do agree there's wartime propaganda. I do agree that we've lost faith in our institutions. I agree that our politicians lie to us. All of that's true. But we shouldn't lean on this propaganda pr- situation that is happening. Listen, it's the first social media war in modern nation states in Europe that's happened in- ever, right? So there's just this constant flood of information and propaganda, even possible, that's never been possible at this level before. But it isn't as though we know nothing. Like, we know that Russia has invaded Ukraine. We know that Russia, a country with a military of almost 2 million, has invaded a country with a military of 200,000. We know that invading a nation that doesn't want, you know, a very small nation has been invaded by <laughs>
2: like We do know these things. We have photos from space of a 40-mile convoy, right?
1: It's after. also true that America didn't lose very many people his- by any historic metric in the war on terror because America is the only military on Earth that can actually forward project power the way that we do. We've spent 10 times as much money as the rest of the world combined uh, for 60 years on our military. Like The amount of capacity that America has is so enormous, and we were fighting in truly primitive, in truly primitive lands. When you start talking about Russia and Ukraine, you are talking about a situation where people are hurling far less sophisticated weapons at people with far less sophisticated tactics. Do I think the Ukrainians have killed 5,000 people? I I suspect all that is propaganda, of course. But I do think that losses, you can't compare losses in a war like this two losses in a war like America goes into Afghanistan and uses highly precision weapons, satellite-guided munitions, the best trained special operators yeah, ever I, to I, operate in human history. I, I agree against, with you. Against, against. Oh, a yeah,
4: I, I, agree, I agree with you. And I also, again, I don't, I don't blame, of, of course, Ukraine's going to do this. That it would be crazy not to because they have to get the West on their side. Um, and uh, which it already would have been anyway, obviously. But but my, my only concern with the propaganda and why, why I think it's important to, first of all, I think the truth is important. So right. we we'll always have to discern truth from, from fiction. But also my other, my, my personal overarching concern is the United States of America and us not getting sucked into this thing that could potentially be cataclysmic and result in thousands if not millions of American deaths. A border now, dispute that has existed for a thousand. Right, right. I, that, that, that for me is what I care about the most. And so the effect of the propaganda when lots of Americans buy into it is that their, their emotions get tied up in it. And then you start hearing more and more. And, and I know you know, the first day, everyone was saying, well, no one is suggesting that Americans would get involved militarily. Fast forward a couple of days, the and Adam next thing King's you know, you have or, prominent right. members of Congress
2: actually saying— You have one Let's... member of Congress and one member of the Senate. Right, but that's— there, There's but, no serious move to, there, for there to even be no-fly zone. No. Well, but that's— I, mean, but, it, I came out it, on also, show today also, and I also, was right.
4: Also, also prominent members of the media. I mean, there was uh, Richard Engel yesterday who floated the idea that we go bomb Russian convoys. So, so yes, it's, it's, it always starts that way. First, they're saying no one's saying it. Then a few people are saying it. And then you look at the, the polling data, and, and more Americans are, are saying, well, maybe— uh, we should get involved in this, and that's just my concern. Fast forward another week, yeah. another two weeks.
3: I, yeah. um, do people I get swept I, I up? I want to add you know, to that. I, oh, I yeah,
0: think. No I, I think. I think that you know your point is is obviously well taken, and the war fever is a real thing, and and it does really happen to people. But but this is you know when I when I go to New York and I say to to my friends and relatives, crime is really up. They frequently say to me, not in my neighborhood. I say, your neighborhood is three blocks away from that neighborhood. The world we're living in is a very, very small world. This is actually on the border of Europe. This is actually on the border of Poland. This is on the place where wars begin. And you know, there is a point at which even knowing that a war would be disastrous, you have no other choice, and that's the the place you're. Tr- that's the thing you're trying to avoid right now. Ben is absolutely right when he says we don't want to no flies on because we don't want our pilots facing their pilots in the sky. But at the same time sanctions have historically not had the kind of effect Mm -hmm. we we want. And so I really think that this is a a moment. Germany gets this, oddly enough. Germany gets this. This is a moment when you change your policy. This is the moment when you change the way you run your country. And Joe Biden is not up to that task. That means that we're going to need the people to be up to that task in 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 a very... Decisive way and it's difficult because you're right they, there, so
5: there is a way out of this though I, I think and it's been part of the battle of the last 10 years There was an article in CBS News just came out today, Over the, the real problem of the war is the war within the war the transgender Ukrainians. is my favorite who, article. Who, yes, ever, they're think, yeah. they're not allowed out because they're men and they're supposed to fight to defend their Country
0: and uh, so That's right, when they say women and children first they like you know. yeah, yeah, no, I'm identifying today and so what
5: this I think will remind a lot of liberals is that Ukraine is not your toy. Ukraine is not this magical, mythical place that we've just decided is a, is a liberal Western democracy with transgenderism and pride parades. Ukraine is its own nation with its own interests mm-hmm. and its own culture and its own way of viewing the world. And I, I think it was a mistake for Ukraine to cozy up too much to NATO and to the European Union. I think that, I think it was a mistake for Western governments to support that with money and with propaganda in 2013 and 2014. I think what's probably most likely is as you say, Putin's gotta win. Putin's gotta have some kind of win here. And I don't think the win is that Vladimir Putin is gonna sit in Kiev and run that country himself. I suspect what would happen is he will install some kind of puppet regime or some government that is more uh, conducive to Russia's interests. And that's what we had before 2014
1: and it's probably what we're gonna have after this. Uh, uh, Only because, uh, the president's cabinet has begun entering <laughs> uh, the chamber. Ben Shapiro has to adjourn and go start working on his response to the State of the Union. Uh, and so, Ben, go, go forth. Many, many thanks to you, and uh, we'll Godspeed. And yeah, damper, damba samper, do. <laughs> <laughs> I him want help. that to be your response. Uh, <laughs> I do want to say the the only thing I want to close out on Ukraine is it is true that war fever can lead to a war. Listen, the reason we don't want to enforce a no fly zone is because we would. We would decimate Russia. The entire Russian military couldn't stand up against the military, the American military, for a week. Yeah, that's actually why we don't want to enforce the no-fly zone because we don't want to push Putin into a corner where nuclear weapons are his, his yeah. only option for inflicting damage on uh, on the West. But it is almost always historically weakness that leads to major conflict. the The Second World War was created by the weakness of the West. And so we can't simply take the position we don't want America engaged in foreign conflict. The end of American hegemony dramatically increases uh, the chances of global conflict. American hegemony has kept the peace for sixty years. Nuclear weapons have kept the peace for sixty years. The end of American hegemony will lead to the to the proliferation of weapons of mass destruction into the hands of nations that care less and less and less uh, about how those weapons get used. We we have to be strong. Our foreign policy has to be strong. This is the fundamental failure of Joe Biden. We are in this situation today because of the weakness of Joe Biden, the literal goading by Joe Biden of Vladimir Putin uh, over over the last 12 months. We have to have strength in the White House. And if we don't have strength in the White House, global conflict is inevitable. Peace has only ever been maintained in the 20th century and 21st century thus far by American peace. With that said, you may be wondering, Jeremy, uh, why are you grouchy? Why do you have bags under your eyes? Why don't you ever, ever let anyone else get a word in edgewise? And that, my friends, is because I am tired. And I am tired because, unlike every other person on the panel, I do not have a Helix Sleep mattress. We talked about this. I, I do want to give some credit to Helix Sleep. After last week's episode, they actually called and said, do you want a mattress? And I said, no, I want to see myself as a victim and to be able to continue to complain in the face of my peers, all of whom sleep peacefully. Yeah. The, the, the sleep, of the peaceful dead on their Helix Sleep mattresses. Helix Sleep has a quiz. The quiz takes just two minutes to complete, and it matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. Why would you buy a mattress made for someone else? With Helix, you're getting a mattress that you know will be perfect for the way that you sleep. Everybody is unique and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, and firm mattresses. They have mattresses that are good for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Mattresses that are great for spinal alignment and and to prevent morning aches and pains. They even have a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. So if you're looking for a mattress, you take the quiz. You order the mattress that you're matched to and the mattress comes directly to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever need to go to a mattress store again. Helix is awesome, but you don't need to take my word for it. You can literally ask any of these guys because they got Helix sleep mattresses. <laughs> Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving sleep. Go over to helixsleep.com backstage. Take their two-minute sleep quiz. They'll match you to a custom mattress that will give you the best sleep of your life. Don't be like me, cranky, groggy, <laughs> groggy uh, unpleasant go to helixsleep.com. They have a 10-year warranty, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. They'll even pick it up for you. If you don't love it, that will never happen, because you will. Right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners, helixsleep.com slash backstage, helixsleep.com slash backstage. We are drawing near to the moment where everyone realized that Joe Biden is supposed to be here, and he not and he is not yet here. Uh, we, see, we see Dr. Jill Biden, uh, walking into the chamber right now and uh, taking her seat soon the president uh, in theory will join us for what i'm sure will be a riveting, <laughs> a riveting discussion about the state of our union candace what are we going to get tonight
3: not much. <laughs> not much. I, I, listen, yeah. at least I think her dress is lovely. That's about the only thing I'm going to say tonight that's going to be a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I still think it's torturous to make us sit here and watch 45 minutes.
5: You know, the good thing is if anything goes wrong with the president on the podium, they can say, is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> And Joe Biden, uh, don't worry, I'm here. Let me at him.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're a terrible human That's living, just not great. Not yeah, it wasn't <laughs> a very kind thing. hmm
1: Drew, how many of these have you lived through?
0: Oh, my God, 150. I remember George Washington. George Washington just sent a letter. I <laughs> appreciated nice. that. Yeah. He used say, thank you.
1: Every that. president should send a letter. I think I've told you guys one of the, one of the moments that really struck me during uh, Obama's first year in office is he gave a speech, not a State of the Union address. He had just been elected. But this is a new yep. thing. It used to be that presidents gave their first State of the Union speech after they'd been in office for a year. Now they all give a speech to a joint session like a month after they come into mm-hmm. office. And when Barack Obama walked up, to the podium, he handed an envelope to the Vice President and the Speaker of the House. And I realized how it's all pageantry. Yeah. Because the reason that presidents do that before a State of the Union is because the, the document that they hand to the Vice President, who is the President of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House, who of course is the head of the House of Representatives, that is fulfilling the constitutional requirement that the President deliver a State of the Union address. Right. The speech is just fanfare and publicity. Yeah. And here, Barack Obama was giving a speech that was not even the State of the Union, but he was fulfilling the sort of, vis- the, in a vestigial way, or in a symbolic way, he was he was handing, because they don't even know why they do the things that they do.
0: Yeah. It's a monarchical uh, tradition,
1: this court. Of course part. it is. Yeah.
5: But, you know, the, the thing to remember about this is that the presidency is a kind of monarchical office. I mean the the point of the executive, you don't you don't want a full on monarch, but the the framers of the constitution created it to embody that kind of spirited part of the government, remember, right? Remember,
0: the, remember those like republican values they had where like George Washington would get up and like put on like a coat and say, "Oh, he's acting like a king." Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know? You know, I, I want that back. I want people yeah. I want people to these guys to just manage our resources, you know? I do I do wish that if you're going to have the fanfare,
5: you know, listen, I'm of Roman, an extraction, we have a certain <laughs> appreciation for these things. I, I do wish they were good speeches. I mean, I remember Trump mm-hmm. gave one or two Trump good ones, a couple of good ones. Yeah, yeah. Reagan gave, I think, like one good one. Yeah. Clinton's—he's were the worst. I mean, his went on and on, on, and, you on just, and on. You just—you do wish, though, if this is going to really embody the spirited aspect of your country, you know, give a rousing speech, buddy. Why, I mean, especially
0: since nobody listens to them. They—they they right. lay out their agenda, and the Congress is like, well. Yeah. yeah. Well,
4: <laughs> I'm, I'm thanking God because if this had happened a week ago, they'd all be killing each other right now because they're not wearing
1: masks. No, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but,
4: then the co- but today, the yeah, it's, going it's, on, it's okay. Yeah. They're still doing the social distancing,
1: though, right? Is that? No, no I think just no one showed up because there was a testing requirement.
0: Is that right? So,
3: great, well, Ru- so Rubio, wouldn't, Rubio show up. wouldn't show up. Thomas minute. Massey didn't show up. I had him on my show a couple of weeks ago. He Massey, well, that's great. Yeah, he just said, I'm, I'm not showing up because, because, one of I'm, the because, because I'm perfectly healthy and I don't need to submit to a test.
4: He's one of the few good ones. He's yeah, great. he's great. He, he didn't sign law. that anti-lynching law, which was a total. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I think
5: oh,
3: here no, we go now with you're with in the pro-lynching. Lynch,
4: the yeah. pro-lynching. Oh, oh well, because because lynching has to be illegal three times. It's already illegal twice. Now we got to make a law <laughs> to make it illegal a third time. Yeah. Well,
1: I just you know, look at the And right, also, right, it never happens, which is right.
4: It never happens. It's happened once in the last like forty years. I will tell you though, as an
5: Italian American, the Italians were the victims of the
1: wait. You're an Italian.
5: I don't know if you heard about that. Yeah. I, you know, the Italians were the victims of the largest mass lynching in American history. That's true. And so it's a very pro-Italian legislation they passed. The other crazy thing, there, there was an academic study of the height of American lynching, which I don't know why this is a topic of conversation <laughs> 70 years after lynching was a thing. Right. But, but d- during the height, the roughly, what, 58 year period of American lynching from the late 19th to, to the early 20th centuries, there were an estimated 4,400 lynchings committed in the United States. That's a lot, it's mean, a big problem. That's, that's yeah. still a big, 4,400. That is the number of people, that's actually slightly more than the number of people who were murdered in just a dozen American cities just last year. Huh. Yeah. The Democrats are not putting forward any bill on how to stop the massive crime spike that they caused over the
4: last two years. They're solving a problem well, the, that was
5: solved. Well, part,
0: the year like year. Doctor Who, they're traveling back in the past. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
4: part, part of the way they get away with it, by the way, is, is that they, they expand the definition of lynching so that it's like any race-based you know, violence. So, so Ahmaud Arbery, they say, is a lynching. Yeah. Well, they, the thing about that, though, is that Ahmaud Arbery's killers were convicted of murder and a hate crime. Right. So it's like, that's yeah. without yeah. this bill. What do you need the bill for? Another thirty years on top of the death penalty. I don't know. Right.
5: Yeah. <laughs> that was the other thing about the so the, this anti-lynching law that they passed last night. It the, it says that the maximum penalty for lynching is thirty, 30 years 30, in prison. So I,
4: they've actually lessened
5: the penalty <laughs> <for> <laughs> lynching. Yeah. from death. These, yeah. <laughs> right. I don't know. Call me a bleeding heart. I think it should be stiffer than that. You know. I don't
1: know. Uh, That's criminal justice reform right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just love how proud they all are of themselves when they do something that's absolutely meaningless. Yeah. Why also? They just can't pat themselves hard enough on the back for their bravery.
0: I think Joe Manchin has the answer for his hypocrisy. The guy calls himself a Democrat, and yet he voted against slaughtering children.
5: I know. I mean, <laughs> yeah, what, what the yeah. hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. Listen, buddy,
0: be consistent. <laughs> yeah, really. Okay. You well, know, you're a Democrat. Well, it is funny that Democrat. in
5: the very same night they voted to pass historic anti-lynching legislation and also to lynch all the babies and in to America. Kill the yeah. baby? You know, but, they,
0: they, no country on earth has a savage law like that. No, yeah. no other country allows babies to be killed. North, North Korea, China, and Canada. They did also oh, try exactly. to... They, they, they
4: tried to pass a, a law against hair discrimination, which didn't go through, but because that that, this is a... What? You know, We know that people are, are... Racial minorities are protected just because they're racial minorities, but we also have to protect their heads as well because there's a specific type... Maybe you... Have you experienced this, Candace? Hair discrimination <laughs> against racial minorities i just saying I've
0: experienced it. Mm, you know, I, I don't think it means what you think Oh, yeah. no, okay. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Can't yeah. say. Can you, I can't you know. say I have, have, have experienced <laughs> hair discrimination, but we knew it was coming when they started talking about people having to wear their hair a certain way to swim and things like that. All these sports mm. rules they've now taken out of context, which should really just be about keeping people safe on the court, like not having like you know, dreadlocks running around. <laughs> yeah. And now they've made it like it's racial and this is my heritage and it's actually not. Um, yeah. so yeah, it's just, it's, it's there's ridiculous. There's a good
0: heritage pun in there somewhere, right? There is. We'll find <laughs> it by the end of
1: this <laughs> Yeah, that, it'll give us it something to think about I will say, I don't recall a State of the Union address this sparsely populated yeah, really. before. It's really remarkable.
0: And, this is, no and, and this is voluntarily, because before they, they did have social distancing last year, right?
1: That last year wasn't a State of the Union address, Right. Last yeah. year was just oh right. it was Joe just, Biden uh, making welcome. a speech yeah. to a uh, joint session of Congress. I don't know. If, right.
4: if there's any chance of any president abolishing the State of the Union, it would have been Trump, and he didn't do it. So yeah.
1: we're, we're stuck with if this forever. If you think Donald Trump was going to get rid of an opportunity <laughs> and <to laughs> stand state up states. in front of the camera yeah. and give a speech. Yeah, good point. Don, Donald Trump has some good qualities. <laughs> that, that is not one of them. <laughs> The only thing that I was upset with Trump about, it's not that he didn't get rid of the State of the Union, which I never expected, but said he didn't add pyrotechnics or mm-hmm. like yeah. a yeah. bald eagle just swooping yeah. through. <laughs> and the guy calls himself a showman. I know. That's, really, That's yeah. outrageous. <laughs> just hot babes, you know, in swimsuits. Like, I guess, What's
0: the dance uh, number? <laughs> I
5: will tell you, though, when he brought Rush and then gave oh, him the medal yeah. during the State of the Union, yeah. that, that was showmanship.
1: That was, that was showmanship. The, the chances that... Uh, President Biden does the same thing with Anthony Fauci tonight. That will really be something to see. The president is now entering the chamber to tepid applause from the (laughs) (laughs) handful of congressional leaders who are actually there. A
0: handful of bored, (laughs) who wish there were someplace else.
1: He's not wearing a mask. He's shaking hands with other people not wearing masks. What a madman. (laughs) He's so reckless. It is truly over. It is truly over. And we will take you now. Uh, to the Chamber and to the President of the United States, and we will see you back here as soon as the President concludes. The president of the United States just concluding his State of the Union with a declaration that America, a country with spiraling uh, unemployment, with an out-of-control inflation, with ending its hegemony around the world as our enemies begin invading uh, Europe, is strong. So there it is. He said it so. It must be. It's basically an executive order. You can't even uh, contest it in the courts. The state of our union is strong. Michael.
5: It was not a state of the union address. It began for the first 10 minutes as a state of the Putin address, which talked about this war going on in Ukraine and didn't acknowledge all of the things we should have done in the last 10 years that Biden specifically should have done. And then you saw the turn, which was the rest of the speech, which was Biden couldn't talk about anything good that happened on his watch. He yeah. couldn't talk about anything good that he did. And he did talk a lot about a lot of good things, not not very heavy on the specifics. He was using broad language. But he said things are going to be really great when I do this next year, when I do this in five years, yeah. when I do this. in t-. It was all about the state of the union in his imagination in the future. He couldn't actually talk about the present state of the union today because the state of the union today is extraordinarily weak. Even the way that he ended it, he said, the state of our union is strong, which he had to say, and he said, but it'll be stronger next year, as, as if to yeah. sort of make an excuse. It was, it was truly, I've watched so many of these for my whole conscious political life. I've watched every one. It was, I don't think I'm being hyper-partisan. A lot of them are bad, too, you know, on, on the Republican side, too. It was the worst, saddest State of the Union I've ever the seen. The State of
1: the Union is strong, and it will be stronger next year is the most condemning statement I've ever heard. Like,
4: yep. Yeah. I, I have to take exception. You say he's, he was short on specifics, but he did specifically say that we have to cut costs. And the way to do that <laughs> is to cut costs. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. While also raising wages, which is a cost. <laughs> so I don't know exactly how that works. He, he,
1: I, he also said, though, that we have to add... We have to end unemployment by adding jobs. So I don't. Yeah. know. I, I think end <laughs>
4: unemployment right. by by just not being unemployed anymore. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, yeah. it's it's, it's like Paris simple. Hilton. Stop being poor.
1: Right. You know, you <laughs> wear this shit. And of course,
4: it. he, he <laughs> ends on uh, on the bold sort of anti cancer stance, which you know after after watching COVID spike to record highs. Under his watch, he's going to turn his magic touch now to cancer. So I'm
0: a little disturbed (laughs) by
4: that. I I, I thought that the 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 most significant thing in that speech, if there's anything significant at all, which really, you know, State of the Union, there never is. But if there's anything significant, it was the the entire Democrat Party admitting defeat on the defund the police movement because after after two years of trying to defund the police, Biden just called for funding the police and got a standing ovation from every Democrat in, in, uh, in the room there. So this was, including of course,
1: Nancy Pelosi, every Democrat who specifically had said we should defund the police stood up to applaud funding the police.
4: And because of course they actually, not only did they try to defund the police, but in many places they actually did, or at least they, they reduced the funding of police significantly. And we saw just total chaos ensue because of it. Right. And so this was a massive defeat for the Democrats. And, uh, but they get to celebrate their defeats with applause. That's the, you know, that's oh, the, that's what the it magic of being a Democrat. Democrat. Yeah.
0: I have to say, first of all, I want to thank Jeremy, the God King, for providing this whiskey because I've been drinking steadily throughout the show and I'm still not drunk enough to have (laughs) endured that state of the union with the, uh, you know, uh, calm. No, you know, what really struck me about it was the rank dishonesty The defund the police was a perfect example. Don't defund the police, fund the police and the same people who had called for defunding the police standing up. We're going to secure the borders.
1: In what universe are we? The searching? worst immigration the crisis in American yeah, history it's, it's amazing. in the last twelve. Months.
0: A- and you know, we we talked for fit, the first what I don't know twenty minutes of the speech were about Russia. What did he say we were going to do? I mean, he said we were standing strong and we were mm-hmm. standing together. But what exactly were we doing? And how did we get into that position? How are we going to change after telling us after telling us that Putin wasn't going to invade for years? When Putin did invade. Why? Why? What went wrong? And why weren't we changing our policies in that regard? I thought, frankly, when he said uh, fund the police, I thought we were going to have to sedate Kansas. Kansas. Uh, <laughs> I thought. <laughs> you know, I mean, because just but, but the rank dishonesty and the fact that it was an an empty speech, a speech that really had nothing, provided nothing to to confront the things that we're actually confronting: crime, inflation, weakness. Uh, throughout the world. Those are the things that we're confronting, and everybody knows it. You can't tell people that their jobs are better or they have more money when they don't. They they know they don't. So it ju- it's just, I, I don't know, it's almost an insult to sit and listen to a guy lie to you like that yeah. uh, for, for 45 minutes.
1: Candace?
3: I totally agree. I mean, it's like, hey, Nancy Pelosi, if you wanted to dramatically rip up a speech based on the lies <laughs> in it, this was your time. You actually missed your moment. Yeah. And I was saying to you as we were watching it, it actually makes you miss Obama right? Because yes. at least when Obama lied to your face, it sounded nice. He was a yep. great orator and you went, okay, nothing you said was true, but it made me feel so good when you lied, right? <laughs> yeah. With Trump, you had the opposite where it was. It never sounded good, but he was actually telling you the truth. And with Biden, you get neither. It sounds horrible and he's telling you nothing but lies. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's frustrating it's because you know that it's so contingent on American ignorance. Like this speech is something that has been dedicated to people that he views to be low information voters. Nothing he said made any sense, right? I mean, yep. he talked about America. We're going, where things are going to get cheaper when we bring the jobs back here and everything's made in America. That's actually just fundamentally not true, right? That's the whole reason why people are sending everything to China. And that's because of government policy. People don't understand economics 101. That's the point. They have the school systems focused on CRT, right? You're turning children into toddlers, whiny toddlers, learning about LGBTQ issues, uh, critical race theory, all these things that mean nothing. So they don't understand what it actually means when a man sits up and really says, I'm going to give you a little more communism. What we need is really price controls. The very thing that's the reason that you're living in this disaster is because there's too much government involvement. So he pivots away from, you know, the the state of the European Union address for 20 minutes. And Mm -hmm. then he goes on and talks about how COVID's been a horrible thing that's happened to our country. Actually, no, it hasn't. Government policy has that's been right. a horrible that's thing right. that's happened to our country. And in response to horrible government policy, he's offering you more horrible government policy. Yep. We're going to have price controls with insulin. Again, relying on American ignorance not to understand that the reason our health care system is a mess is because we don't have free markets there. That's we right. don't have price transparency, things that Trump tried to establish. And the latter end was just him building, you know, a pipe dream. Just like a, a pipe dream. Here are some problems. I'm actually going to offer no solutions. And I'm actually the person that was behind the problems. Very frustrating. To watch because, but at
1: least we're going to kill all the babies,
3: but yeah, but exactly <laughs> in the end, whatever that maternal what was that weird phrase? You know, it was the
5: weirdest euphemism because we've heard uh, women's health care, reproductive rights, these are weird euphemisms for abortion. In this one, he said maternal health care,
0: admitting it's a mother, mother, it's a baby, and I mean, we're going to kill the baby. Right, we're right, Democratic, except for Joe Manchin, voted
1: to, to kill babies up to the moment of birth. Yeah, that's you know, it's savagery. Yeah, the thing you got, you're just uh, every one of you. Is such an extreme (laughs) right-winger. What does our current out-of-control inflation look like? Well, it looks like paying 47% more for fuel than you did less than a year ago. It looks like paying 41% more for the same used vehicle if you buy it this year instead of last year. It looks like paying almost 10% more to feed your family. It looks like every dollar in your savings is worth less than it was one year ago. Hedge against the U.S. dollar inflating by investing in something with real value. Gold and silver from Birch Gold. Precious metals have historically been a safe haven in times of inflation, and we have inflation out of control at the moment. Birch Gold is the leader in converting IRAs and 401ks into tax-sheltered IRAs backed by gold and silver. With thousands of satisfied customers and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, Birch Gold can help you protect your savings. Just text BEN to 989898 to get a free info kit on gold. There's no obligation to get this info. Just text Ben again to 989898. Get your free info kit today from Birch Gold. We are just seven minutes away from our very own Ben Shapiro giving his real State of the Union uh, address, something you've never seen before, which is a response to the President's State of the Union address in real time, an actual reaction to what the President actually said instead of a focus group-tested uh party committee-approved uh, boilerplate speech like we usually get, and, and we will get at some point tonight from some governor somewhere who will never achieve any higher office because that's what happens uh, when you give the official GOP response to the State of the Union address. So again, probably seven minutes out from Ben giving his response. I, a few things I noticed about the speech. One, it was actually quite short for a modern State of the Union uh, address. It ran about an hour and 15 minutes. That's on the shorter side of what these things run. It's still yet, Tuesday. It was interminable. It was so difficult to watch because the president said almost nothing. The entire speech was, uh, was so hollow. It, it's difficult. I felt this about Biden from the very beginning. It's difficult to watch the Democrats prop up a man at this advanced stage of his life uh, in the way that they do. We should. It, it's bad for society when people in this age demographic are running the world. It happens at moments of great global conflict. If you look back uh, at the First World War, we were in a very similar Situation: The people who were running Europe were all very advanced in age. That isn't a sign of a healthy, thriving civilization. It's one thing to say that we need adults in the room; that we need the wisdom of the ages to be present. We don't want impetuous, youthful people who haven't been uh, who haven't been uh, shaped and seasoned by reality. But you also don't want people who are past their prime. You don't want people who don't have stakes in the game. It's very easy for an 80-year-old man to say that we're going to combat inflation by spending off all of our money. He will not be here to pay any of the consequences of these policies that he's foisting upon the American people. I think global conflict is upon us in particular because the boomers uh, have, have been unwilling to move on from the stage. B- Biden's actually a pre-boomer. Yeah. I mean, not by much, but he's, he's technically a pre-boomer. Uh, but the boomers, almost all of whom actually gave us all of this left progressivism, all this left movement, uh, since the Second World War, are now uh, like people who hit a patch of ice trying to grasp the will as hard as they can and turn against the, uh, but, uh, but against not, the momentum.
0: But it's not fair to say they won't leave if we keep electing them, right?
1: Well, they keep electing themselves. I mean, they the beauty of the boomers is that they are the boomers. They're a very <laughs> I mean, large yeah, demographic, yeah, demographic. And they didn't have many kids also. Yeah, they yeah. didn't have many kids, and their kids don't have many kids. So uh, in in one sense, I think they keep electing themselves. Because I, I completely
0: agree with this, and especially now when technology is changing everything and the internet is changing everything,
1: yeah.
0: you know, younger people understand it better. I, I would rather, I was watching the Super Bowl and you're watching these two young coaches go against each other using new techniques that's what I want to see in government. I actually want to see. Mm -hmm. I'd rather have an impetuous young person in government Mm -hmm. today
1: at this particular moment. The beauty is even I'd settle for someone in their 60s. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) To me, that
0: to me, that is an impetuous young.
1: (laughs) You know, I mean, seriously, on
5: this point of the really sad, lethargic kind of aged room, the saddest part of the whole speech to me was when Biden made some stupid point and then At the script that they were all following, they all stood up, the Democrats, and tried to chant USA as if they were Republicans who actually sincerely chant USA. USA. So the Democrats, who have told us now, not just for 12 months, but for decades, that America is evil. These are people who protest the American flag. America, Where well, was, well, was all yeah. that
0: stuff? You know, they, he, he talked about transgenderism at the end, but where was all the woke garbage that they've been stuffing down our throats yeah. for years? It's a midterm so, year, Drew. I don't know if yeah, you yeah, know that. Exactly. that November is coming it's up. Gone. Well, if it's gone, it's gone. If it's gone, announced we are now... Rejecting everything we've told you for the last 20 years. That's what would Not really. They're told, just saying stuff. They're just saying right? stuff. Yes. There's they're no just, policy he's implemented to change anything.
3: He's just saying yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: The you guy know? has a sub 35 approval rating, too. Nothing he said tonight will amount to anything. He has absolutely no political capital. And in an elect- a midterm election year, Congress is going to have no will to act on any of his mm. agenda. So, really, we just wasted an hour and a half of our lives. <laughs> and, if, and if you're alive, no. But we're engaging in political theater of the high, you know, it's of the highest order, except the quality of it's quite low. Did you, you remember <laughs> That's all it is.
5: Bill Clinton shows up to a state of the union. What does he say? He says, the era of big government is over. Right. He says, yeah. I've heard the voters. I get it guys. And he changes course. That was a significant moment to your point, Candace, to what we've all been talking about. There was nothing significant. What's the takeaway line? Nothing will change.
1: change. Clinton's lack of integrity was the best thing about it. (laughs) Yes, it was.
0: Because he did change his mind, because he followed the voters. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're two minutes out from Ben Shapiro's real State of the Union, the first uh, actual State of the Union rebuttal of our lifetimes. Uh, And, you know, I got a, a peek during the speech at. Some of what Ben was working on, he was texting with me. It's going to be absolutely terrific. So oh, I around. thought
3: it was canceled. He's got to, He's got—he's nothing to rebut to. Nothing happened.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the whole speech will be, uh, the State of the Union uh, kind of sucks. Joe Biden's old.
3: Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, enjoy your night. <laughs> he didn't say anything. Nothing happened that entire thing. I mean, just... Just absolute garbage. It's nonsense. And it's it's sad, too, because I, I don't think this will work again, because we keep talking about there is a shift happening, especially yeah. when he makes this pitch about small businesses. You just fought small businesses in court really? for yeah. a year, trying to tell them what they had to do. You didn't yeah. care if everyone was going to lose their jobs over choosing not to get a vaccination. He made a pitch towards the end about children. You just literally fought parents, you know, said they were domestic terrorists and, right. and were going to enable our Department of Justice to go after them. So it, it was almost like he's saying one thing, and, and yet he's done the exact opposite and expects the people to forget. He also said,
4: on that point, he also said that we have to stop treating each other like enemies. Yeah. And this is the guy who said that PTA moms are domestic terrorists. And Uh, that that half the country is neo-Nazis and Bull
2: Connor. He said that like a month ago. Uh,
1: Every part of the speech in some way was fund the police, right? Every part of the speech was just going back on things that the same guy's been saying. That's all the time we have for tonight. Thank you for joining us for Backstage State of the Union. Here is
2: Mr. Ben Shapiro. Ladies and gentlemen. We gather here tonight to mourn the state of our nation because the state of our nation is pathetic. And it is pathetic in the main because of the president of the United States. As it turns out, we all should have listened to Barack Obama. In 2020, former President Obama said something simple yet profound about his former vice president, a man he had labeled his brother. He said, don't underestimate Joe's ability to F things up. Barack Obama was right. Joe Biden came into the office on the wings of eagles He was handed a working vaccine and a distribution plan for that vaccine. He was handed an economy that had been placed into an artificial coma in order to prevent the spread of COVID, but that was about to rebound to record growth rates. He was handed a stable foreign policy, and he had been blessed with the unending bounty of sycophantic media coverage welcoming him into the Oval Office with an approval rating of nearly 56%. What did he do with these advantages? He presided over perhaps the worst first 14 months of any presidency since the Civil War. And unlike Abraham Lincoln, our current crisis is entirely of Joe Biden's making. On issue after issue, Joe Biden is not merely wrong, he is aggressively wrong. He is not merely foolish, he is stubbornly foolish. Joe Biden became president with one goal, to enshrine himself in history as a great leader. Today, we can safely say that he is one of the worst leaders in American history. On foreign policy, Joe Biden has made America a laughing stock. Our enemies don't respect us, they don't fear us, they laugh at us. Biden promised stability. He promised he would be the adult in the room. Instead, he has acted like a toddler, whining, mewling, throwing tantrums, and then, in the end, capitulating. He precipitously withdrew from Afghanistan for no apparent reason and with no actual strategy, destroying a country for which America had expended thousands of lives and trillions of dollars by handing it over to a group of 8th century radical Islamist barbarians. Those barbarians promptly blew up 13 American service members and in retaliation, Joe Biden's Reaper drones eviscerated an innocent family, including seven children. Now, millions will starve, thousands will be sold into sex slavery, and terror groups will reconstitute on the very soil from which the attacks of September 11th were launched. And thousands of Americans were left behind to suffer under the Taliban. Joe Biden cut off the Keystone XL pipeline and greenlit the Russian Nord Stream 2 pipeline, enriching Vladimir Putin and destroying America's energy independence. Then he proceeded to futz about uselessly as Putin prepared and launched a full-scale invasion of Ukraine, all of which paves the way for a Chinese attack on Taiwan and more aggressive Chinese moves in the South China Sea. And when it comes to our own borders, Joe Biden has ushered in the greatest wave of illegal immigration in modern history. In his first year, Joe Biden's administration was on track for two million border apprehensions. The reason is clear. Illegal immigrants have been openly telling media members they're here because they believe Joe Biden will welcome them. Meanwhile, on our northern border, Joe Biden has stood in solidarity with Justin Trudeau as he claimed emergency powers to crush freedom in Canada. But at least Joe Biden has brought transgenderism and diversity, equity, and inclusion to the Defense Department. Don't you feel safer already? On the economy, Joe Biden has somehow turned a historic recovery into a chaotic nightmare. For four decades, inflation had not been a persistent problem in American life. Today, inflation rates are running at a four-decade high, thanks to his socialist spending plans and ridiculous regulations. Wage gains have been erased. Gas prices are emptying wallets. And the hundreds of thousands of small businesses that went dark, thanks to Democratic-induced lockdown policies, will never come back, erasing the life savings dreams and jobs of millions of Americans. We face future stagnation, thanks to our unsustainable $30 trillion national debt. Joe Biden blames supply chain problems, of course, but at least Joe Biden's transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg has been on the case. I mean, when he's not taking two months off for paternity leave, well, nobody in the media seems to care. On crime, Joe Biden has consistently sided against police and with those who would make their job harder. He has unleashed his Department of Justice on police departments all over the country. And innocent Americans, many of them black, have paid for his soft on crime policies with their lives. A dozen major cities have recorded the highest number of homicides ever in the United States. But at least his vice president did help bail Black Lives Matter rioters out of prison. And then there's our society. Joe Biden has made nearly every aspect of our society worse. Joe Biden promised America unity when he entered office. Instead, he labeled his fellow Americans enemies. He encouraged businesses to bar the unvaccinated, even those with natural immunity from public spaces. Then he sought to have them fired from their jobs en masse in the single largest executive overreach in modern American history. Joe Biden treated political dissenters as scum of the earth. Biden said those who didn't agree with his plans to federalize voting procedures were aligned with Jim Crow and the Confederacy. Biden's Justice Department cracked down on parents after being encouraged to do so by the National School Boards Association which encouraged the DOJ to treat parents as domestic terrorists for opposing the indoctrination of their children into radical gender and race theory, for simply wanting to determine how their kids were educated. Joe Biden's administration slurred traditionally moral Americans as retrograde bigots for the great sin of believing that men are men and women are women. Joe Biden's White House encouraged social media to shut down critics for misinformation and defined misinformation as anything the White House didn't like. And then, He and his lackeys said he was doing this in defense of the science. As it turns out, Joe Biden is not merely a brutal failure of a president. He's an aspiring tyrant held back only by the strength of our constitutional structure. A structure he now wishes to overthrow by trashing the filibuster, issuing unconstitutional executive orders, and at least threatening to pack the Supreme Court. And, of course, Joe Biden is a liar. He doesn't lie as well as he used to. He's no longer capable of speaking smoothly or coherently. But if a man spends a lifetime lying, he's not going to start telling the truth when he enters his eighth decade. Tonight, Joe Biden lied and lied and lied again to you. For example, Joe Biden told you tonight that his plan to fight inflation will lower your costs and lower the deficit. He said he would lower inflation by pouring more cash into the economy on top of the trillions he has already spent while we are 30 trillion dollars in debt. That is an insane lie. Build Back Better would, according to the Congressional Budget Office, increase the federal budget deficit by $3 trillion over the next 10 years if all Biden's proposed temporary programs became permanent, which is what he wants. And pouring the gasoline of government spending onto the raging fire of inflation is a perfect way to increase costs. Only a fool would propose it. Maybe that's why Joe Biden was telling you until the last five minutes that inflation would be temporary. And Joe Biden told you that his American Rescue Plan, his massive boondoggle stimulus plan, created jobs, lots of jobs. He said he created 6.5 million jobs. That is another lie. There is no evidence Biden's spending produced one job. Nonpartisan projections for job growth in 2021, not including that American Rescue Plan, showed higher job growth than Biden produced. Joe Biden said, we prepared extensively for the Russian invasion of Ukraine. That was untrue. We were manifestly unprepared. We reacted as the rest of the world did and should have. But had Joe Biden been prepared, perhaps he could have helped deter Russia's invasion rather than encouraging Vladimir Putin's miscalculation. Joe Biden also told you tonight that corporations and the wealthiest Americans aren't paying their fair share of taxes. That, again, is a lie. The highest income Americans pay nearly all net income taxes after government benefits in the United States. Joe Biden said that inflation could be blamed on exploitation by corporations. Another lie. Inflation is a monetary phenomenon. Corporations didn't get more greedy last year. Joe Biden just became president. And Joe Biden said, we will never just accept living with COVID-19. Another lie. Most Americans have been living free since vaccines became available. Only Democratic panic mongering has prevented more Americans from doing the same. Not COVID itself. Joe Biden said tonight that the right to vote is under assault. Another lie. Widespread voter suppression is not an issue in the United States. Joe Biden simply means he wants to rig the voting rules the way he prefers. Lie after lie after lie. Enough. Enough of Joe Biden. Enough of his bizarrely incompetent vice president who has failed upward into every job she has ever held and who can't seem to keep a straight face when asked a straight question. Enough of his Senate majority leader who spends more time worrying about being primaried by an Instagram communist than worrying about passing solid bipartisan legislation. Enough of his Speaker of the House who kneels in kente cloth in the Capitol Rotunda to protest America's supposed racism, then goes home and eats gelato in front of her sub-zero fridge as businesses are forced into bankruptcy by her preferred policies. America deserves better. America deserves a president who sides with parents rather than corrupt teachers unions that shut down schools and mask toddlers and indoctrinate kids into the perverse lies of gender theory and the overt bigotry of critical race theory. America deserves a president who sides with the police, who protect law-abiding citizens, rather than the criminals who target them or the Black Lives Matter radicals who slander America as systemically racist while pocketing tens of millions in cash. America deserves a president who sides with innovators rather than the jealous plutocrats who seek to steal wealth they never created and use it to pay off their friends. America deserves a president who sides with freedom of speech rather than demanding that social media companies crack down on everything he doesn't like. America deserves a president who sides with the blue collar workers who pay his salary, not the blue check marks on Twitter. America deserves a president who sides with those who take their families to church every Sunday, not those who pledge to blot out our shared Judeo-Christian heritage from public life. America deserves a president who sides with America's allies rather than surrendering to America's enemies. America deserves a president who sides with the Constitution rather than seeking to rewrite it to push forward his bureaucratic tyranny. We are more than a year into Joe Biden's presidency. That year is an unblemished record of failure, viciousness, and lies. Too many Americans have been told by the radical left and its compliant lackeys in the media that America is rooted in racism and bigotry, that freedom is dangerous, that if we listen to the experts and delegate control over our lives to them, all will be well. Too many Americans listened, and so we are in the midst of a great American decline. But that decline is reversible. It starts now. Attend your local school board meetings, demand an end to the radical indoctrination of your children. Join campaigns in your cities and states for candidates who care about your rights. Vote Joe Biden's enablers out of Congress and the Senate in November, and then vote Joe Biden out of office in 2024. The great American renewal begins when their control of American lives ends.